When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. I suppose, Kieran, I should grudgingly congratulate you for having a World Cup winner in your side now. People were, people were asking me for days, who are you supporting in this one? I went, oh, I should be supporting France, of course, because they haven't got any Brighton players in it. But, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that spoke, I'd, I'd be disappointed in you if you said anything <laughs> different. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, with a bit of luck, I, I think this, this is probably a long shot. Uh, he might be displaying the medal at the Valley on Wednesday night in the in the uh, we hate we hate Crystal Palace more than you derby uh, <laughs> between uh, between Charlton and Brighton. Wow, is that what's what is that been arranged as a we hate Palace more than you derby or just a friendly? <laughs> um, no, it's 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 fourth round of the League Cup. Oh, is it? Are you still in that? Are you? Oh, okay. If, if if that's the way you want to take it seriously, that's fine. The rest, <laughs> the rest of us gave up on that a long time ago. I think. I think we are out of it. I can't remember. Somebody. Yes, we are. Uh, well, yes. Yeah, so I, I don't begrudge you having the World Cup winner in your because as far as I know, I don't think Brighton ground has ever been used as an Olympic venue, as Sellers Park was in 1948. So there you are. That makes makes us even. Denmark versus Egypt. I think it was. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a questions pod, Kieran. It's slightly shorter than normal because we're easing our way into the Christmas period. Um, we're yes. gonna, we're having a, a normal news pod uh, on Thursday, but then this is one that we're recording. Uh, we're having to squeeze it in because you've got another pod to do, and we've just been watching a very long World Cup final, and I had to go to a carol service. But and then and, and uh, I've got a confession. <gasps> I got two answers wrong in the questions show last week. Did you? Yeah, yeah. The uh... The, the EFL playoff split. I, I hadn't looked at the handbook oh in, in detail God. enough. So, so one of, one of our listeners took me to task for that. Oh, uh, oh, you know, and, and everybody should know uh, section ten point one five e. Yeah, um, and, and so should I, if truth be told. But uh, but uh, I was a bit dozy, so I got that wrong. And uh, apparently, uh, I got the, the question on the uh, on the Peter Brabond slightly wrong as well. But, oh, so, so I, I, I have to up my game. I wondered why I had a text from Swiss Ramble saying producer, producer guy's been trying to get hold of me. Have you got his? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, our first question. Uh, let's try and get them all right today, Kieran. Just to, we, I, as far as I'm concerned, if you hadn't told me that, Kieran, I wouldn't have known. Uh, Stuart Clarkson has our first question, and Stuart says this is a question that I hope will be relevant for not only my club, Nottingham Forest, but also other clubs that are promoted to the Premier League. Of all the clubs that have been promoted, is there a relationship between transfer spending and staying up? 
Norwich have clearly gone for the minimum spend boomerang approach. Villa clearly splashed a fair bit of cash, including Matty Cash. Well done, Stuart, for the Christmas cracker joke. Is there an amount that clubs should spend? Speaking of Villa, by the way, I would have sent Argentina's keeper off today. I would have. There would have been a first yellow card for just looking snidey, and then a second yellow card for <laughs> throwing that ball away. He should have been off. But that's. Um, I, I presume the answer to this, Kieran, is that. Yes, there is a correlation, is there? Although Fulham spent a lot of money, didn't they, in previous seasons and didn't stay up? So, yes, it, it, there's no, there's no there's no guarantee. But um, if, if we if we take a look at uh, the clubs that came up in 2016-17, uh, uh, and Hull both went straight down, um, and they spent uh, Hull especially spent quite 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 modestly. The three clubs that came up the following season, which was uh, Newcastle, Brighton, and Huddersfield, they all stayed up. Um, Huddersfield didn't stay, didn't spend very much, and, and they get caught out quite often. You, you do get second season syndrome, and and if you if you yep. if you punch above your weight, spend relatively little money in your first season, um, and you you do survive. First of all, credit credit to the club for that. Um, but uh, normally you get caught out the second season, and that was also the case with Sheffield United, who who came up spent modestly. Um, so so there there is a link. I mean, Villa Villa spent an awful lot of money. Um, and just stayed up. Um, then, then we've seen Fulham spend a lot of money and uh, go down, and spend not very much money and go down. So, um, t- trying to work out uh, a correlation purely related to um, transfer spend is an imperfect science. What we do tend to see, however, there's a much stronger correlation if you take wages plus transfer fee amortization. Um, and, and link that to final place in the table, and, and that's that's much closer. Um, but I would say, sort of the the benchmark figure. If you if you spend, I reckon it's seventy five million. Um, then you've probably just done enough, with the exception of of what happened to Fulham. You're, you're you've got more than much more than a fifty fifty chance of of staying up. Well, there, there probably are exceptions to the wages thing as well, because I think Blackpool. Stayed up, didn't they? That first season with paying no, they went wages down. They went down last last day of the season. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. So we'll scrub that. You know what? You know what my subconscious was doing there, Kieran. My subconscious was saying, "Oh, poor Kieran got something wrong. I'm going to get something wrong as well, <laughs> just so he doesn't feel lonely." That's what happened. Emlyn Riley has our next question, and this is a really interesting one, Kieran, especially for people like my wife, who's a massive conspiracy theorist on this sort of thing. Emlyn Riley says, recent changes by Apple have caused massive disruption in the advertising industry. Now, one consequence of this is first-party data, which Emlyn helpfully describes as data collected directly from customers, having become incredibly valuable with numerous retailers setting Mm. up their own ad units. Given that Premier League teams have such big global followings across numerous channels, do they sell or monetize any of the data collected about fans? For example, if my club knows that I've purchased a ticket for an away game in London, would they show me train tickets and hotel prices, in brackets, or loan companies, given the price of train tickets? Laughing face emoji. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> across their website or TV channel, I, I, th- I think this is a, a really valid point from Emlyn. Um, under the umbrella heading of fan engagement, what football clubs have been trying to do is to uh, open the Pandora's box of "We know that lots of people like us. How do I convert that into money?" Uh, and, and what they want to do is to uh, 
effectively have a, 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 a bit like the relationship Tesco has with its club card. So, you know, lots of people have got club cards. Um, if you go to Tesco's, you can get discounts off individual foodstuffs and you can look, pick up your points and, and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but what Tesco do is is they are harvesting you. They are building up that profile of you. You know, this person likes cheese, likes you know, broccoli, likes whatever. Um, and, and then... When they contact you, they can target you with with tailored investments. Uh, sorry, t- tailored adverts, or potentially that you know, un- unless you've unticked an awful lot of boxes, they've got a lot of data on you, which which da- data has value, and that's what football clubs are trying to do. And they're, they're trying to do that in 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 broadly two ways. First of all, um, we've got the official club app, um, and you know, when you uh, when you sign up for that app, you you give some personal data away. Um, you know, one of the things which they, they're they're really keen on for you to do is is for them to know where you are. Um, and, and on many apps, it says you know t- you want to tick this box uh, where they can follow lo- your location, so they they can start. They're all trying to work out more and more about you in terms of your habits because that is value the other way they can do that is is through membership schemes where again you give away quite a bit of personal data converting that into gold i think is the biggest challenge uh, but for the big clubs you know the likes of you know, real madrid manchester united bayern munich uh you know and, and so on um they've got an awful lot of people that are signing up for these schemes and that that certainly does have value um nobody's quite yet worked out a means of perfecting it and whoever is the the marketing consultant that does do that um because if you talk to anybody in marketing or, or advertising they will tell you that 50 percent of advertising spend is completely wasted but they've not yet worked out which 50 percent is being wasted, and, and therefore they, they they tend to overspend in terms of their uh, many many of their their schemes. So if, if you talk to one of the, the marketing gurus, um, of, of whom there are many, they are saying that this this is an area which which clubs are giving an awful lot of attention to, because they feel that to a certain extent they're, they're giving away IP. If you are a you know, if, if you are a Celtic fan in New York, or if you're a Manchester United fan in Nairobi. The clubs, the clubs, get, getting your support, but not getting your cash. And, and what they want to try to do is is to get both of those. Um, and uh, they are they are all trying to to do that. I mean, the, the way that they'd like to do that most of all, as far as the big clubs are concerned, is to, is to have complete control over their individual club TV rights, and and, and that way they they could monetize that. But that's uh, that that's what. That, that's what they tried to achieve through both Super League and, and Project Big Picture. Um, and uh, yeah, ideally, an independent regulator um, would uh, would certainly put a quash on that. Uh, I was going to say we've gone early, Kira, but as this is quite a short pod, we've gone halfway through. <laughs> uh, where does the Data Protection Act fit in in all of this, Kira? Because I've worked on TV shows where you will have information on contestants, for example, and mm. it, it doesn't leave the building. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a sackable offence if you take away stuff that's got details of, of contestants without handing it on or being shredded. You're in trouble. So, the, the, in my industry, these things are taken very seriously. So, if you sign up for these apps, are you automatically not uh, allowed data protection? 
you are i mean that there are there are gdpr issues um which which do provide an element of a, a layer of protection but do do we ever check the you know the, the, i agree to all the terms and conditions blah, blah. you know the, there are there are quite a few boxes to tick and untick um you you are given a layer of protection um but where we stand under gdpr now that we are no longer members of the european union is uh, you know, oh. is, is something which we, which will develop over a period of time um, as as the government comes to a, uh, a a conclusion as to what they consider to be appropriate. When you pause like that before an answer, I always worry that you started googling something. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, talking of conspiracy theories, because uh, several members of my family are convinced that Twitter's listening to you. Mike Terry says, "Are the published." <laughs> Oh, the, how how else? Why would I get an advert for Greg's if I hadn't mentioned the fact that I like Greg's sausage rolls? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Twitter is listening to you. Maybe so. There's somebody outside the window. Well, if, if, you, if you've got a smart device, you cannot. You know, if I, all all that I would say is, don't let Alexa into your bedroom. I know. I've, no heard, I've, heard, I've I've heard that for several reasons that you should not let yeah. Alexa into your bedroom, and I, I've heard Alexa doesn't like it. I've heard this from a teenager, my teenage cousin, that Alexa doesn't like it if you talk dirty to her. So I'm not, I'm not surprised, especially the state of my teenage cousin, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've heard that Alexa's uh, somebody described Alexa as a grass. So Uncle Terry would certainly not have let Alexa. <laughs> yes. she, she wouldn't have lasted long if she did. Um, but Mike Terry's question is this, and this back in the day, there are lots of conspiracy theories about this. Mike Terry says, are the published match attendances based on physical number of people in the ground or on tickets sold? For example, if I buy a ticket but don't attend, am I counted? And certainly during the World Cup, we've seen a lot of attendances that don't seem to match uh, seats filled in the stadium. And back in the day, and everyone was convinced there was at least one turnstile at every ground that wasn't hooked up to whatever system was. I'm not convinced that any turnstile at Sellers Park was ever hooked up to anything, to be honest, because the idea was that the club were getting that turnstile cash in hand. But I, 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 my guess is, Kieran, that if, if you're a season ticket holder, you are counted even if you don't go. Is that right? That's right. right. The, the figures that we see quoted um, are best described as the pretendants. Yeah, lovely um, word. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I give you, I give you the twenty sixth of December, twenty twenty one, Brighton Hove Albion versus Brentford um, on Boxing Day, uh, which for TV purposes was moved to eight pm. Yeah. So you know, just so there's. There's no trains. There's no. Yeah, there's, no there's no public transport. Bright, Brighton, as you know, is a is not the easiest of grounds to get to, um, at, at the best of times. So you take away all the public transport. You've then got. You know, I, I love Boxing Day. You love Boxing Day I matches. Do. Yeah, there's something special about them. But it's you know, m- meet up with a few friends, have a few scoops, go to the match, three p.m. Back home, still still do all your family stuff. Um, but by eight pm, yeah, people are gone. Yeah, they're, they're, the last thing you want to do is, is to go. Yeah, they're bloated. Um, so um, I I did attend the match because um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm odd. Um, and and according to the uh, pretendants, there were thirty thousand one hundred and forty one people at the Amex. Um, I would say there was no more than fifteen thousand yeah, because. Yeah. All around, there were swathes and swathes of empty seats because people were saying, it, we, we, "We don't want the aggravation. We've, you know, we we can't drive to the match because 
There's no public transport. And Howie, hey, it's it's a public holiday. It's a big family day. We've had a couple of drinks. We don't want to drink and drive. You know, there, there are a dozen, and it's also live on television. You put all of those factors together. Um, so it it was a it was a pretty desultory uh, attendance, and I'm, I'm not I'm not going to criticise people for not attending. I, I fully understand. Uh, you know, you're not going to get home till you know 11 p.m. midnight if, if you're lucky. Um, so so people didn't t- turn up, and I was going, well, there's no way that there's yeah. that there's thirty thousand there. Um, so it is tickets sold, which is the the figures which are being quoted, and clearly that's. Uh, that, that's beneficial. You know, if, if you're going to your commercial partners, if, if you're trying to get uh, advertising and so on, and people say, "Well, you know, if, I, if I do advertise the match ball, if I if I do have a, uh, yeah, if, if if I do have a uh, hospitality box, um, you know, what, what's the attendance likely to be?" So, well, the average attendance for the last year has been thirty-one thousand. Uh, you go, "Oh, that's, that's quite good." Yeah, we're, we're definitely putting an appearance on that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things which uh, does frustrate. I know some fans at some clubs um, have put in uh, an FOI, a Freedom of Information uh, request, to local authorities and sometimes the police in order to try to get the actual number of, of people attending with with mixed results. Um, so uh, I, I know that uh, that Old Trafford, some United fans, did did get a successful response to that and. Uh, you'd be surprised how many em- empty seats there are at Old Trafford because you, know, you normally think it'd be filled up by tourists. I know yeah. when, when I've tried this uh, at Brighton Hove Council, Brighton Hove or Sussex Place, uh, I, I got a, a, a very firm raspberry as a response. Um, and, and trying to work out where you stand in terms of freedom of information requests is uh, is a bit of a minefield in, in its own right because there are um, some get-out clauses and some authorities are a lot keener to uh, to utilise those. Uh, whether they're entitled to utilise those is, uh, is is a long, expensive and drawn-out process that you know, they I think the, the authorities rely on people unless they are like a dog with a bone to, uh, to not bother to try to pursue. I, sh- I shall put you in touch, Kieran, with the two chaps from the Palace podcast, FYP, oh. the one that I do, yeah, yeah. who very tenaciously and eventually successfully did get a Freedom of Information request granted from the Sussex Police when they claimed that Palace fans had, had uh, they'd collected certain weapons from Palace fans, mm. which which they hadn't. So it is to why would Man United fans want a Freedom of Information request about the actual? Attendance is this is this to do with tickets being available for local fans that can't get them? I, I think it was um, in in response, and, and this goes back to one of one of the more militant uh, groups at uh, amongst the Old Trafford faithful. Uh, Manchester United have said for many years, yeah, we, we've got this huge waiting list of seat, people wanting season oh, tickets, see, and yes, every match is sold out. <laughs> and it was it, it was uh, an anti Glazer. Um, uh, action Got you. Um, okay. that, that was taken. So, it, so it's it's not not at the club itself. It would be for you. You have to give certain data, I believe, uh, in terms of your, your your public safety report, in terms of uh, policing, and in terms of fire and so on. Um, and, and, and they managed to get it. And, and this was this was to do with with the uh, uh, with the dissatisfaction with the uh, the governance and uh, decision making processes of of the current owner, ownership group. And presumably you wanted figures from Brighton because it's like Panini cards. You just have to have certain data. You can't you can't sleep without data. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've always had this be be in my bonnet as as people are probably sick and tired of me hearing that if uh 
if, if matches are are moved, then we are entitled to some form of recompense. And, and the right. idea that it's a, a minor inconvenience to fans is is, is something which which you know I I don't hold to be true. Um, and it's and it's more common in some clubs than others, and that's not a criticism of the fans of those clubs because I I, I, I know plenty of people who support Manchester United who, who will go to you know half the games during the season because frankly you know if it, if they are playing Bournemouth and it's twelve thirty on a Saturday they can't be asked and they can flog it to a tourist yeah. but uh, sometimes sometimes even that is beyond them um, and uh, they're we we are treated as second class citizens uh, even even though uh, you know, it's our game as well. Can I just say, Kieran, that as a teetotaler, I don't think you're allowed to say a few scoops. It's culturally inappropriate. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. We're at the penultimate question already. I told you this was going to be a short one, everybody. And our penultimate question comes from Connor Downey. And Connor says, in the long term, do you think it could be possible there are enough gazillionaires in the world that 20-plus clubs end up in a position like Newcastle, breaking up the big six by effectively making a big 20? Even in my mind, even as a Newcastle fan, this is as daunting a proposition as the Super League if 20 clubs cut themselves off from the EFL in an NFIL-style closed shop uh, am I being ridiculous now I think five years ago Kieran I would have said Connor probably was being ridiculous but it's not so much the money with the increasing number of Premier League clubs being owned by Americans people are mm. starting to get worried whether it's a conspiracy theory or not that we could end up with an attempt to impose an FIL style closed shop whether the government would resist that I don't know but I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility anymore well, I think it would have been five years ago but it's an interesting thought from Connor yes yes uh, and, and the thing is being a billionaire isn't enough anymore you've yeah, got to be yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah beyond a billionaire in, in many regards which which is which is quite ludicrous um we we have seen uh, attempts to prevent uh, the Premier League becoming a billionaire's playground or a a gazillionaire's playground in, in respect of Newcastle, remember there was a there were there were attempts by the the big six clubs to to uh, delay and uh, you know d- prevent uh, the Newcastle taking over, and, and yeah. that 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 involved three years, you know, three years of of yeah. excuse making and so on um, be- before the PIF deal went through. Um, I, I think Connor certainly does have uh, a valid point that the EFL clubs do have a degree of protection in terms of what they've signed with the, with the Premier League um but everything is open to negotiation so um there's no doubt that uh, the the larger clubs in the Premier League want a reduction from 20 clubs to 18 
and um, in an ideal world, they they want to de-risk the threat of relegation. So therefore, yeah, reducing the number of relegation spots to two, or probably two plus a playoff between the third placed, third bottom Premier League club and the you know the third, fourth, and fifth in in the Championship is is, is the way that they'd want to go. And in doing so, they'll they'll promise the EFL some more money. So we we know that there is going to be some form of offer taking place. Um, I, I think the that's that's not good for the clubs in the EFL. It's actually not good for those clubs at the bottom, at the arse end of the Premier League, yeah. Because you've got more chance of coming up if there's three going up. Um, but uh, I I think it is highly unlikely, stroke impossible to completely get rid of relegation. Um, the the reaction would be so severe that uh, that it wouldn't work, and and also. Um, there's no jeopardy, you know. Yeah, yeah. In in you know, part of the reason why we go to matches is that you know at the start of the season, my, my first aim as a Brighton fan and possibly yours as a Palace fan is let's avoid relegation. Oh yeah, you know, and and, mat- and matches towards the end of the season are just as exciting if you are you know between fifteenth and twentieth as they are if you're in in the you know the top four or five because there's something in it if if the only thing in it is whether you get an extra two million pounds per position then frankly it, it's it, it becomes very very dull very very quickly i was going to say kieran that broadcasters wouldn't like a closed shop with no relegation mm. but it doesn't seem to bother them in america does it? it it doesn't but that's 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 a cultural thing yeah, yeah because yeah. there's been they American franchise sports have, have been brought up with no concept of uh, relegation, but uh, and, and therefore they're, they're used to it. Whereas for us, it, it's it's a huge achievement. Yeah, yeah. All right, now, Kieran, our last question comes from Richard Jenkins. And Richard says, I wondered if you could shed some light on how TV rights work for UEFA competitions. It was announced in April that UEFA had sold the Nation League TV rights for many countries, including Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, to something called Viaplay from 2024. Just a few days later, though, it was announced that Channel 4 had bought the rights to England Games, to which my reaction was jealousy at having to pay for yet another streaming service to watch my country, while England fans could see their games for free. My questions are, who owns these TV rights, and why are things seemingly different for England, and how does UEFA distribute the other home nations' TV revenues? Um, Ultimately, these are UEFA's rights, Um, and what it does is that some individual countries, they don't have enough weight in order to make money through selling their own rights. So therefore, if you can go to a broadcaster and you can say, well, we're going to give you Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia's rights as a, as a package and as 120 games over the next four years, that is actually quite attractive to a broadcaster because it's, they look at it in terms of, you know, that's X number of hours. So similarly, the, the rights for the home nations um, as, as, a, as a package, excluding England, um, are quite attractive to, to an individual broadcaster. And it increases the price because Sky are thinking, well, you know, if, if, if we lose those rights, then, then that's not good news for us. So, so it, it creates a bit of a bidding war. Whereas for the, the larger nations, you know, the likes of you know, France, Germany, Italy, England, Spain, and so on, um, they've got a big enough audience in their own rights to be able to sell the, sell the rights directly to the consumer, or sorry, directly to a broadcaster as a single, 
as a, sing, as a single nation. So it 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 comes down to the the pulling power of the the individual football association and, and whether UEFA thinks it's better to sell them in groups or as as, as a single pots. Okay. Uh, just a reminder that the first ever Price of Football replica shirt is now available to pre-order. They're available in adults and kids' sizes, and all the profits will go to gambling with lives. Find the link to our online shop by going to priceoffootball.com or on our social media pages or the description of this episode in your podcast app. The pre-order period will end at 5pm on Friday, December the 30th, so get yours ordered now. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution, contribution to the pod that'd be very kind you can do so by going to patreon.com slash price of football if you have a question you'd like answered on the show email us at questions at price of i'm not a natural salesman kieran i'm not things things like get yours ordered now doesn't come naturally to me so, <laughs> you get, yeah, get yours ordered if you want if you want one you don't, you don't have to have one of course you do you'd love them they're fantastic shirts you'll see photographs. Oh, great shirts yeah. you'll see yeah you're, you're gonna if you're lucky you'll see photographs of kieran and i wearing one of them coming up on your social media. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, thanks to people from Patreon and everybody else. You know, and, and, you know, we, we, we do hold our hands up when we get things wrong, um, uh, if uh, if that is the case. Um, there's, there's various ways of supporting the show. Another way of doing it is to give us a review um, using your, your app. Uh, it helps us with algorithms. It helps us in the charts. It helps us to book guests because people tend to say, oh, well, who, who are these dudes? Uh, but it, do, it doesn't matter what you write. Uh, apparently, it's the stars that count. So you could say, you would rather have the show presented by Brian May and Peter Kay, which would be an unusual pairing, but it wouldn't bother me or Kevin, or it wouldn't, and it won't bother producer Guy when he goes to try to sell the show. It, it, it would bother producer Guy in that one of those people would cost us a lot of money. <laughs> Are you talking about the tightest oh. man in showbiz? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. I'm for the